Well, good morning, Genesis. My name is Michael. I serve as one of the pastors here and sincerely just want to say thank you for taking time on a beautiful Sunday morning to join us, whether you're on our website or YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we are thankful that you are here this morning. hope that you've already been encouraged by the time and hopefully you'll be encouraged by the message uh, in our Series 5R. This is week number three of our Series 5R. And we have really one overarching goal or purpose, and it's this, to close the gap. Now, obvious question is, what is the gap? Well, the gap is that space between what we believe and how we live. The gap is that space between what God desires for us and our current experience. The gap is that space between where we are and where we would actually love to be. So in this series, 5R, we're, ex uh, we're exploring five words, and each of these words begin with the letter R, and we believe that God is going to use each of these specific words that begin with R to help close the gap so that there is no space between what we believe and how we live. There's no space between God's desire for us and our experience, and there's no space anymore between where we are and where we would love to be. Now, before I share with you the third R in the series, I wanted to ask you to consider this question. And the question is this, what is the most valuable thing about you? What is the most valuable thing about you? Would you say it's maybe a role that you play or responsibility that you have, or maybe it's a relationship that you're in? Would you say it's some resources that you have or some accomplishments that you've had along the way, or maybe it's your passions or your dreams or your abilities. Would any of those things, would you say that those are what make you most valuable? Now, be honest here. Did it even cross anyone's mind this morning that what's most valuable about you is your soul? Is your soul. See, I'm guessing probably not too many people this morning are going to answer the question and say, yeah, the most valuable thing about me is my soul because, I don't know, that sounds kind of new agey. That sounds a little bit abstract. It even sounds, honestly, a little bit weird. Well, according to Jesus, the most valuable thing about you is actually your soul. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26 through 27. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Jesus is saying, even if you could gain the whole world and everything that the world has to offer, but you lost your soul in the process, well, Jesus says you've actually ended up losing absolutely everything because there is nothing more valuable about you than your soul. Now, what on earth does your soul have to do with the gap? Actually, it has everything to do with the gap, because where there is a neglected soul, there will be a growing gap. Where there is a soul that has been neglected, there will be a growing gap between what we believe and how we live. If I'm being honest, I could probably attribute about 95% of the gap in my life to one thing, and it's this, neglecting the most valuable thing about me, my soul. 
Yeah, there are absolutely other contributors to the gap in our life, things like sin and selfishness and isolation. But hands down for me, every time that I have neglected my soul, there is a gap in my life between what I believe and how I live that is getting bigger and bigger. So the third R that we are going to consider this morning is about how to care for the most valuable thing about you, that being your soul. Now, I would love to tell you that there is some great life hack or there's some great app that you can download or maybe there's a silver bullet of how to remedy and care for your soul, but there is no life hack, there is no app, there is no silver bullet. The third R that we want you to catch this morning of how to close the gap is this, rest, rest. Now, after nearly seven weeks of this stay-at-home order, let me ask you this. Do you actually feel more rested? After seven weeks of COVID-19 forcing so many people to slow down and even to be still, do you actually feel more rested after seven weeks of a stay-at-home order? Now, most of the people that I have actually talked to, they said, actually, Michael, I feel even more exhausted now than I did seven weeks ago. You see, I think we confuse entertainment and streaming countless hours of things like Disney Plus and Prime and Hulu and Netflix with rest. But that's escape. That's not rest. There's a big difference. You see, I think we confuse lounging around our house all day in our pajamas as rest. But that's actually just laziness. That's not really rest. So why is it that we have such a difficult time learning how to actually rest? Not escape from something, but truly enter into a posture of rest. I think the answer to that question is actually pretty simple. And it would be this. We've adopted the way of culture rather than the way of Jesus. And gosh, there is a tremendous difference between the way of culture and the way of Jesus. See, the way of culture is things like speed and hurry and go, 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 and busyness and productivity and nonstop availability 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just to name a few. So is it any wonder that the way of culture is leaving you and I absolutely exhausted physically and relationally and emotionally and certainly spiritually and soulfully. But the way of culture is all of those things, but the way of culture is also a way of constantly being distracted, being addicted, and just constantly feeling like, gosh, I've got no time to get done anything that I actually really want to get done. I love how poet T.S. Eliot said this about distraction. He said, we are distracted from distraction by distraction. I mean, how true is that? Since the dawn of the digital age, now most people say that the digital age began right around 2007 when Steve Jobs introduced to the world the iPhone. It's also the same year that Facebook became available to anyone and everyone who had an email address. And it's also the same year that Twitter became its very own platform. So don't get me wrong, I'm very thankful for the digital age and all of the conveniences that the digital age has brought. 
but it's also come with a pretty hefty price tag. Consider this, prior to the digital age, our attention span was a whopping 12 seconds. That's not really that impressive. But post-2007, post the beginning of the digital age, our attention span is now eight seconds. Eight seconds. Now, to put that in some type of context, a goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. Simply put, we are just a distracted people. Now, you might be watching this morning and be like, Michael, I'm not a distracted person. Well, let me just ask you this question. How many times have you already checked your phone since this message began? Or how many times have you just already opened up some new tabs on your laptop or computer just to check out a few other things while listening to this message? We're distracted people. But not only are we a distracted people, we're also a very addicted people. I'm not just talking about alcohol or drug abuse. Recent studies reveal about our addictions, uh, specifically to digital platforms and technology, that we, on average, touch our phones 2,617 times every single day. 2,617 times is the average of how much we're picking up and touching our phones. The average person is spending two and a half hours on their phone every single day. And if you're a millennial, my apologies to you, but you actually double that number and you spend over five hours on your phone every day. So we're a distracted people, we're an addicted people, but apparently when it comes to time, we feel like we just never have enough time. We are constantly saying to ourselves, I just need more time. But again, studies would reveal to us that we're not short on time. We actually just waste the time that we have been given. Seven and a half hours. Seven and a half hours is the average of what an American spends every single day on TV or streaming uh, different TV shows. Seven and a half hours. That's the average. That comes up to 2,737 hours. That is phenomenal. Seven, uh, just shy of two hours is the average of what someone will spend on social media, whether it's scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, just shy of two hours. So that's a total of 705 hours that we, on average, will spend on social media. Now, again, put that in perspective. <clears throat> the average person can read between 200 to 400 words per minute. At that pace, at that speed, you could actually read 200 books every single year. But who has time to read that many books every single year, right? Again, put this in perspective. 200 books a year, it would take you at that average space or speed of between 200 to 400 words per minute, it would take you roughly 417 hours for the whole year to knock out reading 200 books. But again, between seven and a half hours of television and just shy of two hours of social media, who has time to actually do something like reading? If you haven't picked up on my point yet, it's simply this. We have so much more time than we actually realize. We've just gotten really good at wasting time and calling ourselves busy. 
So I guess my question would be this. What is all of this speed and hurry and busyness and productivity and nonstop 24-7 availability? What is all of this distraction and addiction and time waste? Essentially, what is all of this way of culture, what impact is it actually having on our soul? And I think the answer is very simple. It's actually exhausting our soul. The way of culture is leaving you and I absolutely exhausted. And where there is a soul that is exhausted, the gap between what we believe and how we live, the gap between what God desires for us and our current experience will only get bigger and bigger and bigger. For years, and when I say years, I really mean the better part of my life, I lived with an exhausted soul, a neglected soul. And I couldn't figure out why is my soul constantly feeling so exhausted all of the time until I just realized, Michael, you are just living the way of culture, but because you're doing spiritual things, you're saying, well, it's okay to live the way of culture because you're doing spiritual things. Well, the hard lesson that I learned is the way of culture was leaving me absolutely exhausted, even if what I was doing I deemed to be very spiritual things. But what I would love to share with you this morning, I think we get the idea, the concept of the way of culture and how culture just leaves our souls neglected and exhausted. And so what I want to finish with this morning is what would it look like to adopt the way of Jesus? What would it look like for you and I to say, hey, I'm abandoning living the way of culture so that I can embrace living the way of Jesus? So what is the way of Jesus? Well, to answer that question, I want to read you two verses right before, the two verses that were right before when Jesus talked about the value of our soul. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 16, starting at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Did you catch what Jesus said in those two verses? If you're going to follow Jesus and live the Jesus way, you must first give up your own way. See, whether you've identified it yet or not, we all have a way of doing life. We all have a way about how we think about things and process things and react and respond to things. You and I, we all have a way of how we make decisions every day and how we navigate the relationships that we're in. All of us have a way about thinking how I'm going to spend money, how I'm going to spend time. You and I, we all have a way about how we think about our past, our present, or our future. Every single one of us has a way about doing life. And what Jesus is saying is that if you're going to follow Him, there's got to come a point where you decide to give up your way of doing life in order to follow his way of doing life. Now, it would be easy to make the conclusion 
in reading those two verses and be like, well, the Jesus way, that sounds miserable. It sounds absolutely miserable. Take up your cross? That sounds painful. That doesn't sound restful. But what I love about Jesus is that Jesus makes crystal clear that, yeah, his way is not going to be easy. I mean, it involves a cross, so there will be hardship. There will be absolutely suffering. But what is absolutely amazing about the Jesus way is that Jesus does not offer us an escape from the hardships of life. Rather, Jesus offers us equipment so that we can experience rest even in the midst of hardships of life. Do you see the difference here? Jesus is not offering us an escape from the realities of life. He is offering, offering us equipment of how to navigate life so that we can actually experience rest for our souls. Listen to Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11, chapter, chapter 11, starting verse 28. This is where Jesus talks about not escaping, but the equipment that he gives to us. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I realize that for all of us, this agrarian metaphor or invitation here might not make much sense. But to the first century audience listening to Jesus, they would not have missed the gift of this invitation that Jesus is giving to them. The gift of rest. The gift that comes from the way of Jesus. Now imagine you have two oxen and they are yoked together in order to maybe pull a cart or maybe just plow a field. So the idea of a yoke is how you would shoulder the load of what's in front of you. Now, every first century rabbi, they had a yoke. That is to say, they had a set of teachings, a way that they would interpret the Scriptures, interpret the Bible. And the way that they would interpret the Bible was intended to help people shoulder the load of life. That was their yoke. Now, the problem with the religious leaders of the day, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, their yoke was absolutely exhausting. And it was exhausting to them at a soul level because it was all based on rules that they were called to follow rather than actually cultivating a relationship with Jesus. So what made Jesus unique was not that he had a yoke. Every rabbi would have a yoke. But what made Jesus unique was that his yoke or his teaching on how to shoulder life and all of the trials and the hardships of life, it was easy. It was not burdensome. What Jesus is saying about his yoke or his way is it would equal a restful soul. It would equal a restful soul. I think the assumption that most people make, I know I certainly made it for years, is, hey, I just need to take more vacations, take more days off, need to eat healthier, I need to work out, I need to go to bed earlier. If I just do all of those things, then that will equal 
a soul that is rested, not constantly feeling exhausted all of the time. Now, those things are certainly good things, but if you're going to experience the rest that Jesus is talking about, the rest that Jesus is inviting you and I into, we must adopt the Jesus way. We must adopt in our life the way of Jesus. On October 12, 2019, Iliad Kachobi ran for the very first time ever a sub-two-hour marathon. Sub-two hours. That means he is running at the pace of four minutes and 34 seconds every single mile for 26.2 miles. That's absolutely crazy, unfathomable, but he broke two hours. Now, I'm sharing this with you because over the past few years, I've gotten into running, and when I watched that race, my first thought was, I would love to be able to do something like that. Now, keep in mind, this thought that I'm having is coming from someone who's never even ran a marathon before, but my point is simply this. I would love to be able to accomplish what Iliad accomplished, but if I'm not willing to begin living my life like he lives his life, the way he trains and the way he sleeps and the way he eats, the way he goes about life, if I'm not willing to live my life like him, I will never accomplish much of anything in running. You see, there's a big difference of just saying, I believe in Jesus and I even believe everything that Jesus accomplished and actually living your life like Jesus tremendous difference between I believe in Jesus and actually living your life like Jesus. See, if we refuse to live our lives like Jesus, well, the rest that he promised to you and to me, for those who live in his way, well, that rest will always evade us. Our souls will be neglected and exhausted, and the gap between what we believe and how we live, that gap between what God desires for us and our experience will only get bigger and bigger. But when we adopt or when we live out the Jesus way, there is going to be rest for your soul. Now, maybe the question that you're wondering is, okay, well, Michael, this sounds great. What is the way of Jesus? How do I live the Jesus way in my life? Well, maybe let me answer that question by saying this. Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, that is exhausting. Worry, anxiety, and fear, that is absolutely exhausting to your soul. Greed and grabbing and just consuming more and more and more is exhausting to our soul. Speed and, and hurry and productivity and Nonstop go and availability 24 7, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and all of our distractions and addictions and all of our time waste, that will be exhausting to our soul. When I think about offense and constantly walking around being offended by what people have said, by what people are doing, and having these pretend conversations in my head of what I would like to tell that person. That way is absolutely exhausting. But hear this, the Jesus way, the way of Jesus, the yoke of Jesus, forgiveness and grace and kindness 
and compassion and trust and generosity and prayer, things like Sabbath, that way leads to rest. That way closes the gap because that is the way of Jesus. Those are the ways that Jesus has called us to live, and those are the things that bring rest to our souls. But please catch this. Before there was a promise of rest, there was just an invitation. And the invitation was three words, come to me. The invitation was not come to a religion. The invitation was not come to some philosophical way of life. The invitation was not to come to some program. The invitation was to come to a person, to begin a relationship. The invitation was simply to come to Jesus. And did you catch who the invitation is for? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Well, guess what? That's pretty much anyone and everyone. Anyone who is exhausted, tired of soul, Jesus is saying, come to me and I will give you rest. So this morning, I just simply want to invite you to come to Jesus. If you've already begun a relationship with Jesus, but maybe as you've been listening this morning, you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I came to Jesus, but I'm still living the way of culture, not the way of Jesus. Well, then Jesus' invitation to you is so simple. Come to Him. Reject, turn away from, repent of, living the way of culture, and begin afresh and anew living the way of Jesus so you can experience rest of soul, what He has promised to us as we come to Him. And as you come to Him and experience rest of soul, I promise that gap between where you are and where you'd love to be begins to close. And if you're listening this morning and you've never come to Jesus, you've never began that relationship with Him, I just want you to know His invitation is for you. His invitation is for you to come to Him, to begin a friendship, a relationship with Him. Not a religion, not a program, not a philosophy, but to begin a relationship with Him, to walk away from your way, walk away from the way of culture, and embrace the way of Jesus. Do you know why Jesus said there is nothing more valuable than our soul? Is because our soul is the thing that will last throughout eternity. And Jesus made clear, made so clear that we will either spend our soul, we will be either in eternity in heaven with God, or we will spend an eternity apart from God in the reality of hell. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you to come to me so you can experience rest for your soul, both now but throughout eternity. So the invitation for you this morning is simply this, come to Jesus. So Jesus, thank you that you have given me and you have given all of us an invitation. And it's an invitation to come to you. And Jesus, as we come to you, we will experience the rest that we all so desperately need. And not just a physical rest, but God, a rest of all of who we are. God, if we are realizing maybe for the first time that we actually maybe have come to Jesus, but ultimately are just living the way of culture, God, I pray that this morning we would reject that, turn from that, and repent from that, and Jesus simply come to you. 
and receive the gift of rest. And God, if there's anyone that is watching this morning that has yet to come to you, Christ, that has yet to receive who you are and all that you have done to make a way for us to know God both now and throughout eternity, well, God, I pray that our prayer, their prayer would simply be, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I trust you, and I trust you make me right with God. I trust that you have forgiven my sins, and I trust that you bring peace between God and I both now and forever, and I receive the rest that you have for me. We pray that. We ask for that, Jesus, in your name. Amen.